Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome all you listening friends to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. And if this is your first time tuning in with us, oh, we beg that you give us a chance and a prayer and that you'll make it a happy habit to come and learn more from the Word of God with us here at 8 a.m. every Sunday morning on WLZA 96.1. We would encourage you to go to the website of Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. That's gospel-of-grace.com. Please drop us an email. Let us know that you're listening. Many resources on there we invite you to take advantage of. I'm Joe Nettles, and also my partner, Elder David Wise. Uh, We are the ministers who have the great joy and privilege every Sunday morning of coming on here and instructing you from the Word of God, and we ask that you would pray for us. Come see us at our respective churches, Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road near Caledonia, Mississippi. Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, near Ackerman, Mississippi, and also Clear Springs Primitive Baptist Church at 55 Tahoe Road in Mabin, Mississippi. We invite you to come and be with us every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m., 200 West Garrett Road on the grounds of New Covenant Church. We meet at 6 p.m. for an abbreviated service and fellowship every Wednesday evening, and we'd invite you to come. Today we have you a message titled, Two Sets of Stones. And right after this hymn, we'll be right back with today's message.
song of gladness in his praise. Here and in the world above, my soul shall sing of saving love, life and light and joy is he, the precious friend who died for me. Life and light and joy is he, the precious friend who died for me. Thank you, listening friends, for staying tuned with me here at the Gospel of Grace Radio broadcast. I'm Joe Nettles, and I'm turning my King James Translation Bible to the Old Testament, to the book of Joshua, chapter 4. And I'd like to address a message today called Two Sets of Stones, Lord being my helper. And we'll begin reading from Joshua, chapter 4, verse 1. And it came to pass when all the people were clean, passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe of man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men, whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan. And take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded, took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. For the priests which bear the ark stood in the midst of Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded Joshua and the people hasted and passed over. So what we see here recorded is a time when the children of Israel who had been led about in the wilderness for 40 years due to their rebellion and uh, their doubting of the Lord. They refused to exercise faith in the Lord who had manifested himself unto them so richly and had delivered them so many times. So now, after 40 years of wandering for their obstinance, now a uh, children of Israel, uh, none of whom uh, were over 60 years of age, because all of those 20 years and older at the time of the rebellion at Kadesh Barnea had passed from the scene. And so they were about to now finally pass over the Jordan River into the land of Canaan. And the Lord, in a miraculous way, as the feet of the priests touched the brim of the water, the Jordan River heaped up on both ends and refused to flow. And the children of Israel were able to cross over Jordan River on dry ground, on dry shod, just as they had the Red Sea when they were delivered out of Egyptian bondage uh, some 40 years or so before. So my friends, this is a great occurrence that took place here. And they were commanded that they were to set up some memorials that they would have two 
sets of stones, 12 stones, one for each tribe of Israel. And they were to set one pile of these great stones in the river, in the midst of the river that would, uh, as soon as the waters were let go of the power of the Lord, they would be covered up by the waters of Jordan. And also the camp over on the Canaan side in Gilgal, where they camped after they'd already passed over into the promised land, they were to erect another set of 12 stones there as a memorial. Now, there were two reasons given in this chapter as to why they were to do these things. Well, let's look at verses 6 through 9. If you look at those verses, it tells about them placing it in the river, in the river. Now, soon the river was to cover it over. Not everyone that came upon that river would be able to see the stones. And my friends, it was a reminder to the Israelites of the Lord's promised deliverance. These stones' location and purpose would not be generally known outside of Israel, who entered into Canaan's land. They were the ones who saw them erected there. They knew where they were erected. And they even had walked on the dry shod wherein they had laid these stones in this river. Can you imagine the sight as they were erecting these stones for a memorial in the midst of the river as they look on each side, the heaped up waters of the great Jordan River on each side being held back by the divine power? Oh, it must have been, a, it must have been a, a, an awesome sight. Uh, no other people had ever witnessed the mounding restraint of the Jordan River. No other people had ever walked across the river on dry earth. It was a special experience for the redeemed who did not fall in the wilderness because of their unbelief, just like their fathers and their mothers had. You see, that was alluded to in Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. Now, I read that because that's the beginning of that chapter, and it sets the tone, and it tells you exactly to whom these words are directed. They are directed to children of God, born again, heaven-bound children of God. Now, what do we see here? What is the possibility for a born-again child of God? In verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Now, somebody may say, well, does that rest mean heaven? Or does that rest mean heavenly things and the joys and the peace uh, while you live here in this world? I would say it's the latter, not the former. Okay, it's talking about temporal blessings, temporal deliverances and peace that we have, the rest that we live in Christ while we live here in this world. Why do I say that? Because he said, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Here he is exhorting them to faithfulness. But notice from verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 3, he was addressing children of God. It is possible for children of God to make their lives and their testimonies shipwreck. And here he is warning them not to do that. Let me tell you something. All of the children of Israel were delivered out of Egyptian bondage, but not all of them came into Canaan's land. 
which is uh, primarily a type and shadow of the church kingdom in which we live, the joys of the New Testament church. Oh, <clears throat> friends, there were many that never fully came into Canaan's land. There were those that fell in the wilderness and died there, but yet they had already been redeemed by the Lord out of Egyptian bondage. They represent children of God who have been born of the Spirit of God, redeemed from their sins. Heaven will be their home, but the problem is they behave themselves so foolishly and they're so full of fear and they're so full of doubts that they will not live in the power and the rest of Jesus while they live here. They will not join the church. They will not come in and uh, live humbly and peaceably before their God. Friends, what strength of assurance is there to be had in confessing Jesus and joining his church? It's amazing. He's provided for us here a rest. And we, as these children of Israel were on the Jordan River, who crossed over by the power of the Lord on dry shod and set up those stones in the river, we need to remember what the Lord has done for us. All right, it's something special he's done for us. He's revealed it specially unto his children. They're the only ones who have access to the joys of this gospel, wonderful New Testament kingdom of heaven while we live here on this earth. Notice Hebrews chapter six, verses 12 through 20. He's talking about the strength of the promise and the power and the comfort of joining the Lord's church. And that's what was being represented there in crossing over the Jordan River into Canaan's land, is crossing through the waters of baptism into the land promised you that the Lord had established here for you. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God had made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee, multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Verse 17, <clears throat> wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Who is he addressing here? Hebrew brethren, in the church. And through our patience and our endurance and our perseverance in the church, my friends, there is a great blessing and assurance. We're laying hold of the hope that is there before us. And at the other end of that hope, I'll tell you, is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father. And brothers and sisters, he, he wants you to feel assured in your salvation. He wants you to feel safe. He wants you to feel loved and secure in your salvation, not blown about with every wind of doctrine, the slight of men and cunning craftiness. No, he says by two immutable things, his counsel and his oath, he has promised you, believer in Christ, that your faith is all the evidence you need that heaven will be your home. Oh, praise God. Notice these, the strength of these promises in Romans chapter 10. Verse eight, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee. Now, what is the word under consideration? All right, he's, here he's saying, what does the righteousness of faith reveal unto you? That when you've come to believe in Jesus Christ, that he is your savior, what does that do for you? He, you know, where does it come from? But what saith it? What does it testify to you of? It says, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus 
and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Not only will you be saved from a lot of heartache and shame and embarrassment and weakness while you live here in this world. Also, what he means, thou shalt be saved, means you have to look forward to a salvation in heaven that's already been secured for you. And you're preserved in Christ Jesus already. You don't have to fear the fires of hell. No, you shall be saved now and you shall be saved after a while, believer in Christ. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich upon all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Brother and sister, if you believe he saved you, then you need to confess his name. And you need to join his church. That's what's under consideration here. Confession and baptism into the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. There's one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through you all and in you all. Now, if you notice the context, you're going to see that he's addressing the church, the gathering of the church. He, he encourages them in Ephesians 4 and 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He's encouraging the church, the local congregation there at Ephesus or congregations, just as he would encourage us by extension at Sulphur Springs, Macedonia, Clear Springs, or wherever the case may be. And what does he say about this church? He said, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And he lists these gifts in verse 11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Friends, if you have a desire to be instructed by the gospel, if you believe the words of the preacher or you believe the words of the prophets, my friends, and you believe in the one to whom they all pointed and his name is Jesus Christ, then friends, all of those ministry gifts were given you not so you could be released from your eternal captivity, but because he's already led captivity captive. He's already abolished death, according to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And now, friends, the reason that you find these things dear, the, find that you, the reason that you find yourself gravitated toward the truth and the Lord's people is because he established it for you. And now it's time for you to go in and to press in the gates through baptism and walk peaceably with the Lord's people. Oh, what great promises there are. Those children of Israel, I'm telling you, somebody passed by, they may not know there's a st stack of stones under there, but God had shown them something particular. God had shown them something special, something that really meant something to them, even though it didn't mean anything to so many people in the world. But friends, if it means something special to you, that pile of stones represents what he's revealed unto you. Now, let's look at the other one. The other pile of stones was in Gilgal in the camp. That means after they'd already come safely, every one of them across Jordan into Canaan's land, there they were where the fires were struck, where the laughter took place, where the food was cooked, where the revelry took place, where the praise was going on, where the fellowship was thick, where the security felt wonderful. And all of those elated Israelites would have been readily manifest to anyone who had come in the vicinity of that camp. They would have seen that stack of stones. It would have been readily visible to all those other Canaanites. And those Canaanites did not have any right 
to any of the covenant blessings reserved unto Israel. But yet all the same, they were witnessing something. They were able to see the pile of stones, 12 stones in the camp of Gilgal. And what it represented to them was the Lord has delivered his people. He has done something for them. He has succeeded in bringing them through the wilderness, even bringing them out of Egypt and has now brought them into Canaan's land. And friends, I'm going to tell you, this world does not like to see people enjoying themselves in the Lord's church. They can't control your pocketbook if you're under the control of Christ. They can't control your minds if your mind's under the control of Christ. Uh, they can't control your children, my friends, if your children are under the influence of the Holy Spirit and a mom and a daddy who love them and will raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord's church. The world hates it, and the world will see the pile of 12 stones, and they'll see the happiness in the camp, and they'll not be endeared to it, but they can't deny that they've seen it. Oh, my friends, he said in verses 23 through 24, that this pile of stones at the camp at Gilgal is a declaration to the world of the Lord's mighty hand. You know, that's the world of angels. You don't ever think about that. But the angels study the Lord's church. Ephesians chapter three, verse eight, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world have been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. That verse there means to the intent the church now is making known. Where it says might be known by the church, it means to be manifested, to be taught, exemplified by the church, even to the principalities and powers and heavenly places. And I posit for you that speaking of the angelic hosts. Even they, my friends, look down in wonder at the benefits and the blessings and the amount of knowledge and fellowship with the Holy Spirit that we enjoy down here in the church. Those angels uh, with wonder and amazement gaze upon us at all of the great blessed benefits that we've been given in the church and how often people just neglect them. And I'll tell you, that pile of stones is to manifest the mighty arm of the world, of, of the Lord, excuse me, to the world in which we live. Notice these verses in Hebrews 10, 32, but call to remembrance. Here he's talking to these beleaguered, persecuted Hebrew Christians but call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Now I'll tell you, what indication were they giving off living in that power? Were they indicating to the world that, oh my goodness, I got a face as long as a mule. I can't be happy in this world. And I don't know why y'all are giving me such a hard. No, my friends, they were living in power, even in the midst of persecutions. And the world hates to see a happy church. First Peter chapter two, verses 11 through 15. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. 
Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God. Notice this, that ye with well-doing may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Church, let me tell you something. If we're not living a victorious, sanctified, happy, holy life before this world, then we are squandering our opportunity and we are failing at our charge. Let me tell you something. Our example is not going to be able to regenerate anyone who observes us. But I tell you, if the Lord chooses to call them to be born again sometime in the future, they'll always remember the strength under persecution and the, and the power and the presence under withering uh, accusations and, and the stink eye that this world gives us. They'll never forget that, and it will mean something to them then. Other than that, my friends, we're still to be a testimony to this world of the mighty arm of the God. And we do that through the 12 stones, as it were, the church being visible in the world. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. You be careful. You be careful what you say. You be careful what you do. You be careful where you go. Because this world cannot wait. And this world relishes in nothing more. And Satan relishes nothing more than to have the church of Jesus Christ embarrassed because of grievous errors by the sheep. And we're going to make errors, my friends, but we need to be always cognizant that we represent Jesus and his church, and we need to live the lives that we ought to live, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Friends, that the world may see that pile of 12 stones and that the world may know that something took place here. I don't understand. I don't like it, but there ain't no denying that something happened here. The Lord that I've been hearing all about, he definitely said he was going to bring them here, and this is where he brought them. And let me tell you something today, my friends, as you go to church on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, maybe it's on Saturday, maybe it's a special meeting on a Tuesday or a Thursday. Let me tell you something, when we gather together as the children, the lively stones in the house of God, we are representing, my friends, the one who has redeemed us and saved us. I'll tell you, he's lifted us up out the miry clay and he's established our going, set our feet upon a rock, put a new song in our mouths. Heavenly uh, Father has given us everything we need and we represent him and we want to represent him to the world. Oh, the world will hate you and despise you for it, but the Lord will be glorified. And I'll tell you, if there's one little laboring child who's been dealt with by the Holy Spirit out there looking for a home, they don't want to go to an anemic little place of entertainment, laser lights, and things of that nature. I believe they want a true, genuine, humble home. And I believe you'll find it in the Primitive Baptist Church. Until we're able to speak with you again, may the Lord's rich and abundant grace be upon you all. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist Church near you. To listen to past messages online, 
and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful.